0: Organ and tissue donation affects far more people than those who receive its gifts.
1: We can continue to be proud of him. We can continue to talk about him. And uh, it's quite the legacy that we can be proud of.
0: That's Heather Runyon, the first guest to appear on this Let's Talk Hope podcast. She's a donor wife who shared her story about how tissue donation has impacted her and her family and the comfort that it provided. I'm Marian Shuck the host of Let's Talk Hope, a podcast devoted to sharing inspirational stories about creating lasting legacies through organ and tissue donation. We'll hear more from Heather in just a moment, and also several other people who shared their very personal stories with us. They are moving, sometimes tragic, and always ultimately triumphant. All of them are important, but we've selected some of the best moments from our podcast so far, Some of the stories we think emphasize what we're trying to do here on Let's Talk Hope. Connect you, the listener, with some amazing people who through their stories have left us all living with a little more hope. Heather Runyon's husband, Dan, passed away in February 2018, and he continues to save and enhance lives through the gift of organ and tissue donation. Heather. Tell me more about your husband, Dan, and how you became involved with Gift of Hope.
1: He passed away uh, suddenly. And about five hours later, I had a phone call from the Gift of Hope. Um, His name was Teddy. And I will never forget uh, Teddy. He had such an amazing, comforting voice, he was so patient. I I wasn't expecting the phone call. Obviously, my mind wasn't at uh, tissue or, or organ donation. After Dan passed away, it had never crossed my mind. And then again, about five hours later, uh, I got this phone call that reminding me that Dan was a donor. And um, at first I was in shock and I really couldn't believe that they were calling me five hours later. But I knew that I needed to proceed with this phone call because Dan made it very clear that he this was his wish. uh, If this were to ever happen, that that he would want to be an organ or tissue donator. Of course, when you lose your loved one, you immediately go through such a ray of emotion. And at that time, you are not thinking about what the next processes are or what maybe your wish of your loved one is. When, you're, when you are in that moment of, you know, in my situation, I lost my husband. He was 45. We have two children. We were married for 18 years. He's so young. What am I going to do? And so you're, you're not thinking very clearly and you're, actually you're quite thinking very selfishly at that point because, you know, what are you going to do? And if a donor family could just see the future impact that their loved one could make, I'm telling you, it's a life-changing experience. If they can just get past that moment of grief, which is extremely difficult I, I will tell you, I cried through the whole phone call, but I knew that that's what my husband wanted. And then I, again, I had no idea the gift that I would be getting from my husband, my children, uh, my husband's parents, my parents, our family, our friends, the gift that I as a donor wife would receive in terms of the, the gifts that my husband was able to give. I'm so proud of him. I am able to continue to talk about him. You know, sometimes, you know, when people pass away, you go through the service and you go through the burial. And, you know, sometimes that's where your grief ends. You're just left with memories. But instead, this gift of being a donor, it allows me to continue to talk about Dan. It allows me to continue to be proud of him. And it allows me these opportunities through the gift of hope to share my story to be a part of a family of donors, we share our experiences. We share how it makes us feel. It is difficult. It is very difficult to think about the process of donation physically when they have to go in and they have to retrieve tissue. They have to retrieve organs. You know, it's a very difficult thought. But if people can just get past that and, and look at it as, you know, this is a gift, a legacy. Your loved one can can be a legacy for others to have them continue either bettering their lives. Um, actually, I'll tell you, I got a letter from a recipient of a uh, ligament in her foot, and she wrote us a handwritten letter. She was able to dance again for the very first time in several years, and you know, uh, we received two letters from donors that uh, received some tissue from my husband. And I will tell you, it does, it gives me great pride and joy to see that, that my husband has been able to provide those two people and, you know, 200 others a better chance at a, at a better life. And I couldn't be more proud.
0: Christy Hubbard, a donor mom, shared her loving story about her incredible son, Devereaux II Hubbard. Devereaux was always a little larger than life. He was 10 pounds at birth, but he was a gentle giant. His nickname was the Hulk too. He grew up to be a student athlete and attended the University of Illinois. During his sophomore year, he came home for Christmas break, but he told his mom he wasn't feeling right. He had flu-like symptoms and was very lethargic. When his symptoms became worse, Christy put him in her car and drove him to the emergency room. But her beloved Devereaux died on the way to the hospital after slumping over in the backseat of their car.
2: We found out that what took his life was a pulmonary embolism, which is a blood clot. And the statistics are actually very high 274 people die every day in the United States from a blood clot. But prior to Devro's death, we had no idea about blood clots. We had never really, I mean, we've heard of a blood clot, but we hadn't heard of the signs or the symptoms or that it could happen to what are seemingly healthy people. Um, so we started to do a lot of research to find out what this was. And we did find out that in our family specifically, um, we have a genetic disorder called factor five Leiden deficiency. And um, both my husband and my younger son have that same um, clotting disorder. So we have been, you know, adamant about getting people to find out if they have that, as well as other things that can cause deadly blood clots. So we also we spent some time doing that type of research, but we continued to look at, because we look at the numbers of people, especially minorities, who understand or who don't, I hate to say it, understand the value of organ donation. Because again, this was our introduction to specifically Gift of Hope. And once we, you know, clarified that we wanted um, to donate as related to Devro too, um, they let us know that actually minorities had the lowest rate of donation. And we thought that, you know, hey, we need to do whatever we can to increase that number. So we were kind of doing something twofold. We're trying to decrease the number of people who lose their lives to blood clots, but increase the number of people who understand the value of life going on through donation. So we have been supporters of Gift of Hope, every sense. And we also, as Christians, know that in the church, there's a lot of incorrect information that goes out. Um, you know, we've heard in our own church um growing up and in the church that we're even in now, you know, you're not supposed to donate your organs because you'll need them when you get to heaven. Well, that's not true, and that doesn't make any sense, but you know, that's a story that is constantly perpetuated, you know. And another one that we've heard, I actually heard it today talking to a young man because I was telling him, um, because he works part-time at our church, and I was telling him about the podcast. And he said, Well, I heard that if you have organ donation on your on your driver's license, they won't save you if you get into an accident. You know, and I had, sir, that is absolutely not true. So there's a lot of work.
0: Sean Martin's 15 year old son, Matthew, received a life-saving heart valve as an infant. He lived a normal life as a teenager who enjoyed sports and became a talented baseball player. Tragically, Matthew's heart stopped on May 25th, 2020, and Sean and his family offered the gift of tissue on his behalf. It was a moment when Sean's personal life intersected with his professional life. Sean is the director of tissue operations at Gift of Hope.
3: I think just bringing awareness to this whole other side of the donation community, because you're right organ donation is is what you see on tv and in movies and it's this sense of immediate gratification or satisfaction because it's it's taken and then it's transplanted that very same day or maybe on a on a smaller delay but you know tissue recovery for the most part is sort of stretched out so much further there's a lot more processing that has to happen to make that tissue transplantable that there is some delay there with matthew it was it wasn't on um, not like your experience. What we do behind the scenes is more about that donor family and that donor. You know, When we talk to the tissue authorization specialists, talk to families on the phone to offer that opportunity, when they say yes, we fill out a form. We ask them about their loved one, and then we will. We'll talk about that as a team before that recovery starts. And that's sort of their connected purpose that, hey, this just isn't a job. You are impacting somebody's mother, somebody's daughter, somebody's son, We really try to make that as sacred as possible, that trust that is instilled in us by families. That's kind of how it was for me. I never once batted an eye on the thought about donation, and ironically, it was my wife that brought it up. As the police were in our home, uh, Matthew passed away at home in his sleep. The police were here, the coroner was here doing their investigation, and when death is so unexpected, like you had said as well, it, it's a blur. You, it's almost like you're sort of just watching it happen and you kind of go numb. I didn't even think about it. And it, it was my wife that looked at me and said, can he help anybody? And then immediately flipped a switch and, you know, sort of went in the work mode to ensure that we could make that happen. I think that that is, is sort of the biggest takeaways is that it, there are so many moving pieces, so many areas where it can go bad to where somebody wouldn't be able to donate, that it's amazing and a true testament to the dedication of the team that we have here at Gift of Hope and across the country at, at other OPOs that we're really able to sort of make that happen. And It's special. It's really, really special.
0: Dealing with the loss of a loved one is never easy. But sometimes it's harder than others. Take holidays, birthdays, anniversaries. Anytime the whole family gets together and you're at your dinner table and it's painfully obvious when someone is missing. Renata Kristen is the donor family supervisor at Gift of Hope. She's also a donor family member herself. So she's been there and she has some words of advice to help families grappling with grief.
4: I have to say that the first and, and most important thing is to be kind to yourself extend yourself some grace. Uh, Holidays, any holiday is especially hard on us because it's a time for gathering, right? Whether it's 4th of July, you're having the picnic or it's Christmas or Thanksgiving and and you're at your dinner table. It's a time for being together and it makes it painfully obvious when your someone is missing. Research shows that our senses are significantly impacts our emotional well-being. So when you see this and these sensory peaks of the year, right, our holidays, our birthdays, our special dates, our anniversaries, when they come up, they increase your senses. And so our emotional well-being is very tied to that. This increases our grief triggers. So I would suggest that we reflect on our own expectations for ourselves and others. Again, I'm going to go back and and say, be kind to yourself, extend grace to yourself. Every family and every person is a little bit different. For some, they have to get through the holidays and maintain the traditions because of children or because of uh, other circumstances, but just be aware. And maybe if it's right for you, minimize those traditions or set new traditions. Try something new. When my brother passed away the first year, my mother is very traditional and she set out a setting, a table setting for my brother. And it remained empty and no one was allowed to sit there. It was for him. And that's okay for some. It helped my mom. For me personally, To sit there and see that empty chair was probably the most excruciating part of that first holiday. So the next year we tried a different tradition and that second tradition didn't land for all of us the same as well. So trying new traditions is okay and it's okay to go back and try something different if that didn't work. For some people, it's skipping the normal traditions. And for some people, it's keeping what their normal traditions are. And for others, it's setting boundaries. So it's really time for you to set those boundaries and and set the thoughts around what you can get through. Some things to know, though, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to say, you know what, I I should go to this and want to go to this. Tell the host if if you're invited somewhere and that morning you're like, I'm really sorry. I just cannot. That's okay. It's okay to leave early. It's okay to, to communicate with your support system and, and say, you know what, today's really difficult. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be sad. You know, being happy doesn't mean that you're forgetting about your loved one. It doesn't mean that at all. It's okay to talk about them. It's okay to bring up their name or or their contributions to the holiday, to that specific date or anniversary or birth date. It's okay to honor them by incorporating a way to memorialize or or remember them some great ones that have been put forth by some of our donor families where uh, we had a donor family put out an old photo album at their coffee table and they had people over and it just sparked so many different stories. Uh, It's okay to prepare their, their favorite meal or their favorite music or hang up a stacking and ask everyone to write a, a story or a note to them. It's about giving ourselves grace and, If we know what works for us, great. And if we don't know, it's about trying and and seeing what works for us. But it's also about communicating to our loved ones who are here with us, our support systems, about what our boundaries are and, and how much we can take. And if we need a minute, then that's what we need.
0: For many religions, death doesn't have to be the end of the story. As Rabbi Michael Zedek told us, in the greater scheme of things, we're here for a brief moment. Rabbi Zedek is a spiritual leader at Emmanuel Congregation, and he also serves on Gift of Hope's Interfaith Council, which helps us navigate religious decisions surrounding organ and tissue donation.
5: One of the things that's fascinating about the English language is how many euphemisms we have for dead or died. kicked the bucket, passed on, gone to glory, on and on and on, right? Uh, the only you, uh, substitute word for died in Jewish... There are two. One is the biblical one, gathered into his people or her people. And the other is exquisite for the moment. It's The Hebrew word is niftar for anybody out there who might perchance be A, be hearing this, and B, this is part of it, and C, know some Hebrew. Niftar literally means to be discharged from service. That is to say, while we're called to duty, might we perhaps get an honorable discharge? And what are the elements that convey that? Uh, I'll I'll, I'll add a, a very personal note. I mentioned earlier that my dad died when I was young. I was 18 years old. My father knew he was going to die. And he set out for me to learn what I consider the most important lessons I've ever known as an adult and I'm still trying to embrace rather than drawing the obvious conclusion that life can't be trusted. What's the point of loving someone? You're only going to lose them. My dad taught me four things. Lesson number one, life is a very precious and fragile gift. Self-evident, right? Needs no elaboration. Lesson number two, were I to die today? I want more. I'm so freaking intoxicated with the gift of life. That is Emily Dickinson. I'm sorry, as Edna St. Vincent Millay says, Oh, life, I cannot hold you close enough. Lesson number three, and I mean this with every fiber of my being. Were I to die today, it would be enough to say the gift of life was worth it. I want more, but if this is all I get, thank you. Lesson number four is the hard one. I'd rather have my father than have learned any of it. I can't have that, but I can have what his life still means in me, through me, and as I continue for whatever amount of time is assigned to me. Uh, We're here for a brief moment. What do we do in that brief moment? Hopefully, it means we make a difference, at least for some, and maybe for many.
0: Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Hope. I really hope that you enjoyed this best of episode as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And I really want to thank our guests for sharing their stories. We encourage you to start the conversation today about organ, eye, and tissue donation with your loved ones. And please make your wishes known. We really want you to have these conversations so that you don't have to have this conversation in a tragic circumstance. You can register to become a donor at giftofhope.org or by texting the word HOPE
6: 51555. Hello, Tina Montgomery, Supervisor Community Outreach. In my role, I'm responsible for raising awareness and educating the community about organ, eye, and tissue donation. Daily, I'm asked a lot of questions about the donation process and how it works. So we've added those questions to our spinning wheel, and we're going to answer them right now from the audience. So let's give the wheel a huge spin. Oh, it's a good one. Here we are we're on question number four this question is what organs and tissue can be donated well we get this question a lot from all types of people we say that the list of organs and tissues that can be successfully transplanted continue to grow so does your ability to save and heal lives as a deceased organ eye and tissue donor one donor can save up to eight lives, restore sight to two people through cornea donation, and heal more than 25 lives through tissue donation. The major organs that can be donated for transplant are the liver, heart, lungs, kidney, pancreas, and small intestines. Tissues can be donated include the cornea, bone, and associated tissue, veins and arteries, heart valves, and skin. Thank you for that great question. It is a question that we get a lot. So we look forward to getting more questions from you and spinning the wheel on the donation facts. Let's talk hope.
0: If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please subscribe to Let's Talk Hope and please tell your family and friends. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, visit rivet360.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.